Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Today I have on Naomi Teitelman, and I'm excited that I've had a chance to interact with Naomi through the years. We've been in Women of Influence together. We got a chance to know each other through Amex. We've had lots of kind of cross paths. And so it's exciting that you mentioned that you have a best boss ever and that you were willing to take the time to come on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Christine. It's great to be here. So can you, just so everybody knows, give us the 30 seconds on you. Tell us. Sure. So I spent the first two chapters of my career in corporate. I was first at a big firm at Deloitte, and I'll talk about my best boss ever from Deloitte. Then I transitioned into corporate HR. So I was in the HR space for about seven years, most recently as the head of HR of American Express Canada. And then seven years ago, I went out on my own. I started my advisory business, Collaborativity, where I help large organizations, actually organizations of all sizes, really grapple with this new world of work. So help them solve problems to do with their talent strategy, really solving for the new world of work we live in. Also have a business with my partner, Mark Edgar, called Future Forward, where we have a podcast, newsletter, and a community for senior HR professionals. You're welcome to check out my website, futureforward.com. And we are really empowering leaders and HR professionals to make work better. So that's really our mission. Amazing. And that's why we have so much alignment. I love it. So just I'm going to dive in. I go straight for the uh, jugular. So who is your best boss ever? And tell us a little bit about him or her. So my best boss ever, his name is Chuck. And when I first joined Deloitte as a clueless, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Canadian in the Big Apple in New York City, I remember sitting on the proverbial beach, kind of looking around. I mean, for those consultants listening, you know what it's like to be on the beach, especially when you're new to an organization and you're like they may fire me tomorrow. I may not have a visa tomorrow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) being in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And Chuck kind of, I don't know how he found me, but he kind of took me under his wing. And all of a sudden, I was part of his posse. And we worked with a lot of financial services companies. Back in the day, it was before Sarbanes-Oxley time. So again, anybody who remembers the Sarbanes-Oxley times post-Enron, post-Anderson, we were working on that type of work even before Sarbanes-Oxley came into play. And Chuck was my mentor. He was my leader. He was actually my boss's boss, but he was just really instrumental at helping me build the confidence I needed as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Canadian in the big city of New York. I love it. So tell me, how did Chuck do that? Give me give me specifics. So I think what was great is that he really believed in me, even though I didn't believe in myself at all, right? So like I mentioned, yeah. I was new to the work world, you know, had never, I mean, the jobs that I had had in university had nothing to do with, with consulting. We were doing risk management consulting. And he really empowered me to learn in the way I wanted to learn. He really, you know, 
invited me to meetings and allowed me to observe what a good meeting looked like. He also rolled up his sleeves and took my decks and I remember made big red circles around things and sometimes crossed out his edits and wrote the word stet, which I never knew what it meant, but he taught me what the word stet means, which means disregard my edit um, <laughs> in Chuck language. Um, so, you know, it just runs the gamut from being like in the weeds with us, even though he was a senior manager at the time and went on to have a very, very, very successful career at Deloitte. And also just being that kind of visionary, you know, strategic thinker, relationship builder with our clients. He kind of ran the gamut, which I really appreciated. So was there a time where you messed up or you did something wrong and Chuck had to give you some feedback? I mean, I, I'm sure I messed up lots and lots and lots of times. I, I don't recall a specific example, but I just remember never really being kind of fearful of Chuck's leadership mm. and his disciples also. So there were people who were, like I mentioned, there were managers between me and Chuck, who was the senior manager. And those managers seemed to take his lead in terms of how to lead in a motivating, empowering, kind of firm but fair way. So I don't remember a specific example because this is like 20 years ago at this point. But what I do remember is just feeling empowered and feeling that I was able to make those little mistakes and even some big ones and not kind of being massively penalized for it. Right, right. That, I mean, what you said is really interesting. You know, sometimes they say you won't remember what a person said or did, but you remember how they make you feel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I feel like that's exactly what I'm picking up on is you were not fearful, which, which is interesting. That means you felt safe enough that you could, you know, learn and grow and try things without worrying about, oh God, today's the day I'm going to get the X. Like, yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And he did a few things where he really stuck his neck out for me. I remember having an uncomfortable encounter with, you know, a male colleague and he kind of stepped right in there and coached me through it and also spoke to the male colleague about, about it. He also, I mean, the one of the biggest things he did, I mean, a few huge things he did. So one was he was my leader during the time of 9-11. So, mm. so he was, again, that he, he was vulnerable enough that we saw the emotion come through, but was had this unshakable confidence that we were going to get through things as a team. And I remember, you know, going to the backup site for our client in Jersey City and kind of sitting there and kind of looking at each other and saying, now what? And Chuck was just that amazing leader to really guide us through these very challenging times. So that was a, a huge pivotal moment in my career, I believe, that had I had a different type of leader, you know, I may not have even gone back to New York after 9-11, to tell you the truth. Right. Were your offices in, in the downtown New York core then? Yeah, they were in the World Financial Center. Chuck has his own story of that day. We've recently kind of shared our our stories of the day. It's it's one of those things that we hadn't really talked about it until very recently, until our kind of mid-adulthood right. <laughs> years. Right. But uh, yes, and our client also was in downtown New York as well as in Jersey City. So I, I'll never forget, I think Chuck was one of the people to go into the World Financial Center to recover our computers because at the time we all kind of put our computers in our lockers and went home for the day and you know, that's what we did. So, so Chuck just showed a lot of bravery and a lot of just excellent leadership during that time that only in retrospect do I realize, right? I realized it mm -hmm. at the time, but not the impact that it's had on my career and on 
so many others throughout his career. Wow. Wow. That's an incredible story and example. You know, I'm I'm thinking of I had one of my worst bosses ever during 9-11. Oh, that's unfortunate. You know, to your point, there was no, I didn't feel any safer or any more secure or any more you know, there was, it was almost like, let's ignore this thing that's happening in the world, which to me felt crazy. You know, it was yeah. like, I can't, we can't just ignore this. Right. And so it was, um, it's just so interesting when you hear, I always say like that day really stood out to me as a sign of someone's leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, so to you, that's a permanent mark, right? Yeah, it sure is. Amazing. So in both of our businesses, we're asking companies to invest in building awesome leaders. Mm -hmm. And so I love to ask the question, if you could try to wrap your head around what is the impact to the bottom line when you have a best boss ever versus when you don't? Mm, It's a great question. I mean, I think Chuck can probably probably count and also not know about how many amazing leaders he's developed and how many amazing leaders they've developed and how much business has been brought into Deloitte. I mean, he's he's a career Deloitte person. I mean, he's had so much impact on that company. He eventually, he had a few amazing roles, but the most recent role he had, or one of the more recent roles he's had is the CEO of the risk advisory business. And I can only imagine, you know, through his relationships and through his building of leaders, how much that's impacted the bottom line. I mean, without a doubt. Right. Well, and I mean, in a way it's kind of, you know, when you're talking about Chuck particularly, and then I'm thinking about how his leadership impacted you, it's almost like free leadership training for all of those that are working for Chuck as they watch him lead and they watch how he behaves. Don't you feel that influences everybody else? Like you said, so many other people's careers were influenced by his leadership. Yes, 100%. I mean, one of the other things that he did for me specifically that wasn't really kind of the cool thing to do back then is he sponsored me to go and do my MBA. And there wasn't a formal program in place. And he basically stuck his neck out and said, hey, this is someone who I believe in and I want to send her to do her MBA. And he encouraged me to apply. And then with my husband, I need to give my husband some credit too. Mm-hmm. So he also <laughs> encouraged yep. me to apply. And then he said, we're going to make this happen. We're going to we're gonna figure out a way to get you to do your MBA, you know, partially funded by Deloitte, which was amazing and not something that, again, we didn't have a formal program in place. And then when I finished my MBA, I had to have the tough conversation with him I do want to come back to Deloitte, but I'm actually really interested in the people side of the business. I actually don't want to come back to risk management. And I I thought that was going to be a brutal conversation. And he was like, great, let's make that happen. I'm happy you want to come back to the Deloitte family. So just a really powerful example of sponsorship in in the works. It's not, again, something that we talked about in those words back then. But in retrospect, I so appreciate, you know, the risk he took to to do that for me. And, you know, again, here's another interesting example of the impact, right? We have retention of incredibly high potential talent. That's what we have right there. So even if you didn't stay in risk, you came back to Deloitte and you still added value those additional years because you were sponsored and you were cared for and looked after, right? And so I think that's a really, again, great example of where the impact is of having these type of leaders inside an organization. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I still, I always say I have green dot in my blood, right? Like I haven't been at Deloitte since 2009, but I'm still such a big advocate for Deloitte. The network of people that I've, you know, been in touch with is just is just outstanding and that's because right. of the relationships that I that I built while I was there with the amazing leaders I've had both Chuck and and others. Right. Amazing. And it's hard to measure what the impact of that but there's so much relationship currency there, right? So yeah. if somebody wanted to go to Deloitte, you'd refer them in for sure. If you see high potential talent, right? There's the ability to connect. They can leverage you obviously. So again, these are all those things you can't measure and I find People want measurement to make them feel better about some of these investments. But when you're giving this example of Chuck, there's so many impacts of that great leader yeah. throughout organizations and relationships and just the way people wake up in the morning and probably feel about their career. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think of a worse boss or many, maybe, I just love to know kind of what are the traits or tributes of one that just didn't work well with you? Yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate that I've had great leaders. I mean, definitely things I learn, um, both in terms of how I want to behave and how I don't want to behave. I wouldn't classify any of my leaders as the worst boss ever. But I would say, you know, that piece about not feeling anxious around Chuck's leadership and not being anxious about making mistakes. Definitely had other leaders where I felt more anxious about making mistakes and more worried about the micro because that's where the focus was as opposed to let's focus on the bigger picture. And yes, we have to get the micro good and yeah. but let's not let perfect get in the way of good enough. And so that's what I would say. Leaders who operate kind of by policy and by mandate and by iron fist and by perfection, that's not going to motivate anybody to do good work. And in fact, it, it, I mean, so, listen, some people are motivated, you know, you think about sports coaches and some people are motivated by people yelling in their face, mm -hmm. but many people are not. And so really figuring out what motivates people to do their best work and what does the exact opposite is really important for leaders to take a hold of. And so I would say emotional intelligence is one of those things that can, I mean, it, it can't be overlooked because it's so critical that we understand how people are reacting to us and how people are performing as a result of reacting to us. So I know I didn't directly answer your question because I've been very fortunate, but I'd say in those circumstances where I'm feeling, oh, I can't do this unless it's perfect, it's probably not what I would have wanted to emulate in my leadership style. You know, and you're making a really good point because I work with a lot of fantastic leaders who are driven perfectionists. Not that they are worse bosses or anything like that, but just by nature have a very strong perfectionism. And interestingly enough, they hire great talent that also have that perfectionist in them. Yeah. And so what you end up with is this stack up of perfectionism, right? Where, you know, people are working until the midnight hour trying to make it perfect. Then it gets handed to a perfectionist who sends it back for eight hours of revision because it's not perfect. You know what yeah. I mean? And so I, maybe it's like, for me, when I hear that, it's kind of an efficiency along with a career enjoyment. Like it's yeah. just, nobody loves that threat of like, it's not going to be good enough no matter how many hours I put in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly that's a great right. point. So if everybody listening is learning how to become or aspiring to be a best boss, tell us what would be your 
tip for them or the nugget that you really want them to take away from our conversation today? I think empowerment is a thread that we're seeing in a lot of different areas in our space these days. So, you know, if we think about new ways of working, hybrid working models, there's got to be an element of empowerment, right? If we think about, you know, delegation, so delegation isn't drop it on someone's lap and then leave. It's really being there as a support and as a sponsor and as an advisor and as a coach. So really perfecting that balance is really critical. So, you know, empowerment is my word. It doesn't mean delegate and leave. It means be there as a support and don't create that that system of fear where people feel that, okay, well, I've been delegated to, but not really because they're going to micromanage me through it. So I know it's a long-winded way of answering your question, but I'm seeing a lot of trickiness around empowerment lately, especially as we as we're still in the in the conversation of new ways of working and empowering people to work when and where they're they're most, you know, they're most productive, which is an entirely other podcast episode. Right. Amazing. Well, listen, I love that you've given people something really to think about as they uh, leave this conversation. And again, so glad that they can find you. Remind me really quick, what's your Instagram handle? So Instagram and LinkedIn is Future Forward, F-U-T-U-R-E-F-O-H-R-W-A-R-D. And you can also find me on LinkedIn personally. Amazing. Thank you, Naomi. Have a good one. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Christine. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.